Lord, we're gathered here uniquely in all of history. We particular people at this singular time and place. Accomplish your purposes among us, O God. Tune our hearts to the voice of your spirit. Wake us to be present to you and to one another in the shared, in the shared hour that we're given. For it is you, O Lord, who have gathered us from various places, and you alone know our hearts and our needs. Lord, some among us arrive here anxious, some who are lonely, some who suffer pain and sorrow. May we in our joys find grace to enter in the sorrows of others. Among us are those who arrive rejoicing, hearts made glad by good news, good health, glad anticipation. May we in our sorrows find grace to embrace the joys of others. Let us prize these moments together as we care for one another, as we invest in one another, and as we hear from your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have recently, uh, well, I've, I've always enjoyed fishing, but I've recently really come to love fishing. And uh, my, my new friend, uh, Hector, invited me to go f- uh, fishing uh, this uh, past couple weeks. It was actually the day after Thanksgiving, and we went out there with our boys. So it was um, me and Luke and Levi and his sons, Noah and Revolution, and we went out there and uh, we caught some fish. And it's always fun when you go fishing to catch fish, right? I mean, that's the, that's the fun thing uh, to do that. You want to go out when you're fishing, you want to catch stuff. But it was even more fun to do it with people, to do it with others. I mean, that was the fun thing to do it all together. So we could kind of rejoice. There's a picture of us celebrating some of the fish that we were, we were catching. And the boys loved it because it was community together. We were fishing together. We were enjoying it life together. And we've been going through this fishing trip series as we've been preparing uh, for the birth of Christ and preparing our hearts for that. We're in the third week of Advent. We're 10 days away from Christmas. Some of you are panicking, right? You haven't got your gifts yet. That's okay. Amazon still has two-day delivery. You can get it uh, real quick. And we've been preparing our hearts to let Jesus equip us to, to fish for men. Jesus helped his disciples say that you're... You were fishing for fish, but now you're going to fish for men. And we've been looking at these different fishing trip stories that Jesus did that he took his disciples on. And so the goal of this series is for you to be equipped to fish for men. It's also so you know a simple gospel outline, the bad news, the good news, and what our response is supposed to be so that you can share your faith with others, especially during this time when people are thinking about things of faith, when they're thinking about uh, the birth of Jesus, when they're thinking about Christmas time. And then team up with others to go fishing, just like we teamed up. And listen, Hector and his family, uh, they did a great job teaming up with me because I'm not great fishermen. Um, but they were really good. They go out all the time, and it was so fun to team up together and be able to enjoy together. So we're teaming up as a church, as small groups, to be able to go out in our community and look for ways that we can help people know what the gospel is. And so we've looked at many different stories in this series. We looked at the calling of the first disciples in Matthew 4 and how they were out fishing for fish, and Jesus called them after investing in their lives to come and fish for men. And we looked how Jesus brought them to teaching in the synagogues, which would have been the main place of gathering for the Jewish people and the main place where all the legal matters were held. And he's teaching and preaching there and he's driving out evil spirits and he's teaching the disciples how to learn the gospel and how to share the gospel. And he's teaching them to share the gospel where they live and work and play and to cultivate and, and to plan and to reap those relationships. And they're doing all this while trusting that Jesus is going to lead them. And so today we're looking at 
disciples trusting in Jesus, that if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, we're going to be people that love Jesus, that love one another, that love the lost, we're going to need to trust him, right? And our action step that we're going to get to is that uh, we want to invite people to come and see, as we'll see in this story, as a person was brought by others. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke uh, chapter 5. If not, you can look up on the screen as we open God's very word. One day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him to a house to lay before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. They did see a remarkable thing, and we get to see God move in remarkable ways too. And, and it's amazing to see God move in miraculous ways. I think as a people, as Americans, we use the word miracle a little too loosely. You know, I hear people talking about miracles all the time, like you're going uh, shopping at the town center, you can't find a parking space, and then you find a parking space. What a miracle! Uh, not, not quite uh, what the biblical definition of miracle is. When we see miracles happen, when we see God move in supernatural ways, he always uses it for a specific purpose at a specific time to be able to glorify himself. And here we see that happening. We see this miraculous thing happen, this miraculous healing happening. Last week we looked at the leper and we see him miraculously healed. We kind of see this theme of, of healings. And I can't help but notice that God allows these people to go through these painful times. He allows them to go through painful emotional times, painful physical times. And that isn't because he's a cruel God. It's because he uses those things to help sanctify us. He uses those things for his glory. I mean, you think about the leper. I mean, last week we're talking about the leper, and it's 2,000 years after it happens, and we're still talking about it. I mean, Jesus is using that in amazing ways to still even affect our own lives. You look at this story here, and here we are talking about it thousands of years later, about the power of God. And so during this Advent season, you may be going through a time of physical hurt, emotional hurt, spiritual hurt. Or relationships may be struggling, but I want you to know that God's in the midst of all that. He hasn't left you in that. He's still working in that, and that's why disciples trust Jesus, because when things aren't going great, it's difficult to trust Jesus, isn't it? I mean, it's difficult sometimes to keep our eyes focused on him when things aren't going great, but he's going to use that pain either in this life or, or the next for his glory. He's working in and among us. It's so vital that we trust Jesus. I think about Paul as an example. 
I mean, we think about all of the scripture that God used Paul to, to, to give us and all the encouragement that Paul gave to the churches that were starting the, the, the early churches. Yet Paul had an affliction, and we don't know what that affliction was, if it was emotional, if it was anxiety, if it was depression, or if it, whatever it was. It was something that he begged God to take away from him. It was, a, it was an ailment, and he called it a thorn in the flesh. But, but God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So if you're feeling a little weak, you're feeling a little tired this Christmas season, rejoice. Because his power is being made perfect in your weakness. He, he's working through that, that time. We need to, to trust him. And this paralytic is an example of that, of trusting in him of allowing uh, people to come and gather him up and take him to Jesus, the one that can make a difference. So let's break this down a little bit, a couple of verses at a time. First couple of verses here. One day while he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who came from every village in Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him to the house and lay him before Jesus. So Luke kind of opens the scene here, and we see the story also in Mark, and we can gather all the details together and, and create the scene here. It was, um, the disciples have re returned from Capernaum, which is kind of on the north shore, north shore of the Sea of Galilee, and you can see the ruins of the synagogue today. I have a picture of the ruins there. And it was, it was a large town by Galilean standards, and there were religious officials always around. And some of these religious officials were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were absolutely nationalistic people. They wanted Israel for the Israelites. They were not friendly to the Gentiles at all. They didn't like that Jesus was trying to include all kinds of people. They wanted Israel for themselves. And the way that they proved that they were such godly people was that they would f try to follow the law of God to the extreme. Take the, the Sabbath, for example. They created a document called the Minsa, the Minsta, and in the Minsta, there was 24 chapters on how to keep the Sabbath holy. All the things that you couldn't do on the Sabbath, and if you broke any of those things, you'd be seen as ungodly. They did all these things to lift themselves up. It's, it's really a definition of religion. That's what the Pharisees were about. They were, they were about being religious. They were about being legalistic. And they had all of these laws and rules, many of them that didn't even line up uh, with, with the Torah, didn't even line up with God's law, many of them that they expanded on on their own. And so here they are, coming from all different regions to hear about this man, Jesus, who's really inclusive in the faith. He's saying it's for Gentiles, it's for Jews, it's for all people. The, my salvation is for all people. And of course, the Pharisees were not happy about that because here they are trying to be really religious, trying to really be rule-oriented. And that's the way they kept their power. It's the way that they showed all the rest of the Jewish people. They, 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 they showed them that they were the ones that they were in charge. They had authority because they were overly Jewish. And so here's Jesus coming and, and preaching and, and talking. And so they're gathered all together. And if you look in Mark's description of this event, we see that it's in a private residence. It probably would have been a, a large house to be able to accommodate all these people that came from all these regions to come and, and gather together. And Jesus' ministry had, had drawn some attention by this time. 
I mean, you can't go around uh, in ancient times healing people, driving out demons, telling people that you're the son of God without drawing some attention to yourself. And so Jesus has all this attention on him. And so all the Pharisees and religious leaders, they're coming to see what is really up with this guy. What's really going on with him? Is he the real deal? Should we be threatened by him? Should we try to take him out? And I think in the back of, your mind, back of their mind, as you see from the story, they were really looking for a way to trap him. They were looking for a way to take away some of his power. So Jesus comes to town. He's in the house. All these people gather together, and there's a group of friends that say, this is an opportunity for us to help our friend in need. I mean, what an awesome picture of community, right? This paralytic cannot get to Jesus on his own. So I can just imagine the conversation. They go to the paralytic and say, listen, man, I know you can't get there on your own, but this guy, Jesus, is coming. We've heard about him doing some healings. We heard about him being real powerful. We heard about him uh, maybe doing some things that could, that could really change your life. Would you allow us to take you? And you can just imagine being a paralytic and thinking, well, what do I have to lose, right? Let's go. Just take me. We don't know exactly how far they, they took him, but it was some distance. They take him there. They take him before Jesus. Some men carrying a paralytic on a mat, they tried to take him to the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat, through his mat, through the tiles, in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Man, I love this so much. We talk about good news, about doing anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. That's what these people were doing. I love this. They see a giant crowd. They see tons of people around Jesus. Just picture it. This house is packed with people. Jesus is in the middle. How are we going to get this paralytic there on a mat? There's no way to do this. So we're going to go up on the roof. And the typical Syrian roof, there were timbers that were crisscrossed about three, uh, two or three feet apart. And then there were sticks laid across them. And then there was a bunch of earth, usually about a foot thick, that was packed down to keep the water out. And even during, during the summertime, grass would actually grow up on the roof. So you can just imagine, they're like, okay, we can't get to Jesus there. Let's go up on the roof. And it would have been really common at those times to have a stairwell that would let, let up to the roof so that they could do, do repairs, so they could go up on the roof uh, during the summertime. And so they're going up the stairs that are built there on the outside of the house. And they, they get up there, and there's a foot thick of earth. Just imagine what they're doing. They lay this man down, no, just wait a minute, man. we, we got to do something real quick. Can you imagine what the paralytic is thinking? They must really trust Jesus. They must really believe that something's going to happen. Maybe he was a little bit scared. What are you going to do? You're going to make a big hole? You're going to lower me down? This seems crazy. And so can you imagine the scene? Jesus is amongst a bunch of, of a crowd of people. The Pharisees are there testing him. You can just imagine the scowl on their face. And then all of a sudden, earth starts falling. And there's dirt falling down. And there's sticks falling down. And everyone's like, what is going on here? Then all of a sudden, a mat comes down with a guy on it. Can you imagine this? I mean, this is, this is a pretty crazy scene. But what an awesome picture of community. What an awesome example for us that these people trusted Jesus so much to do something here. That they went to great lengths to bring their friend who was hopeless to Jesus. I mean, what a great picture for us. We think about thinking about the people that are in our lives that don't know Jesus, thinking about the people's lives that are far away from him and the great lengths that we should go to bring them to Jesus. And that's what these guys did. 
on the handmade stretcher, probably commandeered from a nearby marina. They lower this paralytic down. They trust Jesus. Almost every week, uh, we celebrate people who come to faith in Christ. And uh, for six weeks now, I haven't done this. And uh, we have seen in those six weeks' time, uh, 12 people profess faith in Christ. So we want to celebrate all these people that have come to faith in Christ, that have trusted in Jesus. And if you're new here, you're wondering, what is he doing? These are life rings that show that people are rescued by Jesus. And so we have 12 people that profess faith in Christ. And one of the examples of that, and we like to share stories about the life rings. And I can't share all 12 stories, but I can share one story, is about Eric and Sarah Compton. Now, the cool thing about them is they got married yesterday right in Malawi. It was awesome. Uh, so they got married together, and they've been coming to Good News. And they, uh, especially, especially Sarah, has spent some time just really being away from God. But week after week, she's come here to Good News. She's been welcomed by people. She's been uh, made feel at home, and she's heard messages and music. And uh, recently, in, in the service, she gave her faith. She gave her life to Christ and put her faith in Christ. And, and now their marriage is centered on Jesus. And they want their marriage and their family to be centered on Jesus. They trust Jesus. And it's an amazing thing. It's an awesome thing. And these disciples, uh, these people that were trying to follow Jesus, these friends of the, of the paralytic, they understood how important it was for people to trust in Jesus. And so they did everything they could to trust in him. We trust in him as a church because he's alive, right? Because he's moving. Not because he's dead, but because he's surely alive, right? He's moving in our lives. He's done things in our lives. We've seen him to be faithful. We've seen him to be trustworthy. We've seen him to be alive. Can I, can I get some kind of an amen or hallelujah, praise the Lord, right? We see him moving. We see him moving in awesome ways. And that's why Parker talked about the 48 hours of prayer for the Christmas Eve service. I really uh, strongly encourage you to do this. Take a half hour. Pray for all the people that are going to come. You're probably going to forget between now and you get home. So write it on your bulletin or mark it on the card. And we'll send you a reminder email to, to sign up for, for the prayer because we don't want to miss this opportunity. These guys did so much to get their friend who was hopeless to Jesus. We're asking you to partner with us for a half an hour. So you would just pray so that many people would come to know Jesus. Will you, will you do that? Will you do that so that we can see many people come to know him? And so this scene is unfolding. The paralytic is before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. That was probably not the response that the paralytic and the friends were expecting, right? They're thinking they came all this way. They carried him all this way to heal this man. But Jesus healed him, didn't he? He healed him in a far more important way than healing his body. He pointed to him and said, our, our physical bodies, yes, they are important. It's good to have a healthy physical body. When your body is not healthy, it's tough, right? It's, it's difficult. We all go through ailments. We all go through things, some more serious than others. But Jesus wanted to remind us that our earthly bodies, if we live a really great life, a really full life, it's going to be 100 years and that's it. 
one day the, the bodies are going to be renewed. They're going to be renewed by Jesus. And the most important thing that we need to have is faith in Jesus. And so that was his response. And man, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, this is what they're waiting for. There is Jesus proclaiming something that he shouldn't be doing. He shouldn't be proclaiming. And the Pharisees, they were upset. And the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And that's true. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus was God. And he was forgiving, forgiving sins. And he knew what they were thinking. And so Jesus jumped out ahead of that. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So it's a really interesting question. Jesus asked it, and we should ask it of ourselves. Which is easier? To say to the man, your sins are forgiven, or to get up and walk? Which is easier? Well, it kind of depends on what your faith is, right? If I tell you, if I gave you the choice, I have $20 that I want to give you, $20 cash, or I have a check for $20,000 that I want to give you, which one do you choose? Well, it comes down to what you believe about me, right? If you believe that I have $20,000 in my bank account, then you're going to take the check, right? But if you think, eh, he's a pastor, probably doesn't have that, I'll just take the $20, right? It takes a certain amount of faith to say, I'm going to take the larger amount, and that's the same thing with this. It takes a large amount of faith uh, to say that your sins are forgiven. But the cool thing about Jesus here is he ends up giving both the figurative $20 bill and the $20,000 bill. He ends up giving both. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. It's really interesting that uh, Luke's favorite title to call Jesus is Son of Man. And it shows uh, the importance. It's a messianic title. It's a Jewish messianic title that, that shows the importance of recognizing that Jesus was fully man, but he also was fully God. He was both. And because he's both, he's able to meet us in our place where we are spiritually paralyzed, where we are spiritually hurting, where we need uh, his goodness, where we need his grace. Our deepest longing is not for things in our physical body to be healed, but our deepest longing is for our emotional and spiritual needs to be fulfilled. And we see that here with, with the paralytic. Jesus pointed that out, that his most desperate need was not to be healed so he could get up and walk, but is to know and to trust Jesus. And that's so vital because in Scripture there is bad news. In Scripture, in Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23, what do these things say here? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does it say? For what? All. All. Does that include you? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Does that include me? Yeah. Oh, you're a lot louder about me than you. Okay. <laughs> Yes, we all have sinned. We all have fallen short. For the wages of sin is death. That's, that's the bad news. 
We have all fallen short. We're all spiritually sick. We're all spiritually paralyzed. But then the good news happens, and this is the really cool part, that, that Jesus accepts us who, who we are, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And our part, we see in Romans 10, our part is to believe, is to trust in Jesus, to believe that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, and that he rose from the dead. So do you, know the good, do you know the bad news? Do you know the good news? Have you trusted in Jesus? It's the most important thing that you could do. I'm so thankful for all these life rings, so thankful for Sarah putting her, her faith in Jesus, and maybe it's time for you to, to make that move. I know there are people in here that, that have never trusted Jesus before. It's the most important thing that you could do because you're spiritually paralyzed. I was spiritually paralyzed once. Sarah was spiritually paralyzed once. All those people that are on the life ring were spiritually paralyzed once. This man, this paralytic, was physically paralyzed, but he was also spiritually paralyzed. He needed Jesus. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do it right in your seat. You can tell God right now, I'm a sinner. I know my wages of sin are death. I don't want to face death. I want to be with you for all eternity. Come and be my Savior. If you need to talk to someone about that afterward, the prayer team, the elders will be up front. We'd love to talk to you more about that. And if you have trusted in Jesus, it's time to invite someone to come and see. Now listen, these friends of the paralyzed man, they did all kinds of things to get him there, didn't they? They had to come up with a plan to get a mat, and then they had to go there, and maybe the guy wasn't too sure about it. I mean, he might have felt a little bit embarrassed to be brought before Jesus in the crowd, and, but they convinced him to get him on the mat, and then they carried the mat some distance, and they got there, and there's a huge crowd there, and they had to carry him up on the roof. They had to dig through the roof. They had to lower him down. A lot of things to bring him. What we want you to do this Christmas season is invite someone with a Christmas invite. It's a little easier, right? A little easier, right? But we want you to be able to take those steps to just invite someone because we want to partner with you and be able to share the gospel and be able to do whatever it takes for people to trust Jesus. We want to do anything short of sin to reach people with the gospel. It's vitally important that people know Jesus. And sometimes we have to take risks. Sometimes we have to rock the boat. Sometimes we have to take the risk to be criticized to, to tell people about Jesus. I mean, these guys didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen when they brought him before Jesus. They didn't know if the, the Pharisees were going to criticize him. They didn't know if they were going to be made fun of. They didn't know what Jesus was going to do. But they took a risk. They rocked the boat. They said, we care about our friend that much. And so when you're thinking about people to invite this week, when you're thinking about people in your life that, that need Jesus, take a risk. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for you this week that you would take that risk. You know, this time in closing here in in Israel was an interesting time. It was a time of, of Caesar Tiberius. It was, the same, it was the time of Herod Antipas. It was the time of Pontius Pilate. And by this time, the God of Israel had really been shrunk. So they, they once, the nation of Israel, believed in, in a large and powerful and mighty God and were trusting in him for great things. But if you look in Scripture in this time, right when Jesus was coming... Their, their faith was, was really small as a whole. They were just thinking of God, of being a, a God that gives us rules that we have to follow and we have to give sacrifices uh, just to, to meet those rules and to meet those demands. And they shrunk God down. I think sometimes as the American church, 
Sometimes as people in the church, sometimes as pastors, we can shrink God down. We can see all the things that are going on around us, all the troubles that are in our lives, all the ways that uh, we don't know what to do with, and we shrink God down and we think that he can do nothing about it, but we shouldn't box God in. We see here in this story that the paralytic was healed spiritually and physically. Jesus is able to do amazing things in our lives, and he has, hasn't he? He's done amazing things in our lives and our church, and he's going to continue to do that. He's surely alive. He's not dead. He's on the move. And so the way that we should react, the response that we should have to what Jesus is moving in our life is a lot like what the paralytic did. Look at a couple of these key words here. Immediately he stood up. He reacted immediately to Jesus moving in his life, to Jesus doing great things, and he got up. I mean, can you imagine the feeling of freedom that he was able to experience? Well, in Christ, we can imagine that because we get to experience that every single day, the freedom that he gives us. Immediately we should react. Immediately we should go. We shouldn't wait. We should respond when Jesus is moving in our lives. He stood up, right? It says that. Immediately he stood up. He wasn't ashamed. And he didn't care about the the Pharisees that were there. He didn't care if he was going to be made fun of. He didn't care about any of that. Because he was just healed physically and spiritually. And so he stood up. And so we need to stand up uh, for Jesus. And he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying lying on, and went home praising God. I just imagine the scene. He just leaps up for joy. He's so excited. He just gathers all his stuff up. And you can just imagine him leaving the room just singing the praises of God. When we remember the things that Jesus has done for us in our lives, the blessings that he has around us, then shouldn't that be our response? Just be praising him, praising him throughout the day for what he has done for us. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. It's contagious. Is when we start praising God, when we start pointing people to the joy that we have, people are searching for joy. Listen, I, I know personally for almost 21 years of my life, I was searching for joy anywhere I could find it. And when I gathered around other Christians who were joyful, you know what happened over time? I started thinking, man, they have something I don't have. I really want that. I, I need that. Now, I wasn't telling anybody those things. And I'm sure a lot of the people that were praying for me thought, man, this guy from Boston is so far away from God. He's never going to come to Jesus. I'm so thankful for their faithfulness, so thankful for the joy that they had. It was contagious. They've seen, we've seen remarkable things today. Listen, we've seen remarkable things today. You heard about 12 people who went from death to life. You heard about a story of, of, of Sarah, about how she came here and felt welcome and felt included. And now she's a part of not only the Good News family, but the family of God. You heard the story of the paralytic about how he's done remarkable things. Listen, disciples trust Jesus because he can be trusted. Disciples trust Jesus because he's on the move. Disciples trust Jesus because he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So won't you invite someone to come and see this week? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing in the midst of good news. Lord, thank you for the church in St. John's County that's working together for your glory. Thank you for your church worldwide where we get to see and hear about people coming to know you. Thank you that you can be trusted. I pray for anyone here this morning that hasn't trusted you for eternal life, that they would trust in you. 
I also pray for, for those of us that maybe it may be hard to trust you right now. Maybe they're in the midst of trouble, in the midst of pain. Maybe they're in the midst of some things where they feel like they can't trust you. I pray, God, that we'd be able to give those things to you. I pray this week that we'd be able to be bold, that we'd be able to take steps of faith, that we'd rock the boat a little bit, that we wouldn't be afraid of being criticized, and that we would invite people to come and see. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.